This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. Hello and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. I'm in Las Vegas for the NADA show, so for today and tomorrow, we'll dispense with the usual headlines and focus on conversations from the show. For today's podcast, I talk with Automotive News Retail Editor Amy Wilson about the return to an in-person event and the many issues facing dealers today. We're standing at the, in the Las Vegas Convention Center where workers are busily setting up displays for the 2022 NADA show. This is our first time back. It's the first NADA show in two years and one month. Uh, we were here in the same convention center uh, on Valentine's Day 2020, just before COVID really broke out all over America and shut down all the events, all the auto industry events. People are really excited to get back together, to see each other, to see their old friends. Is that what you're hearing from folks? Oh yeah, I mean, the virtual show a year ago was just not the same and uh, you just can't do business, you can't trade ideas the way you can in person. Yeah, yeah, well we heard people really liked the workshops, it meant more people could participate in those virtually, but when it came to doing business, meeting with vendors, meeting with old friends, it just isn't, it isn't the same on a screen. So this year, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how when we used to go to auto shows, regular auto shows like Detroit and New York, it seems like for the last decade, it was always an EV show. That most of everything they showed were EVs. And now here we are at NADA and it's an EV show. <laughs> Everyone's talking about EVs. What, what are you expecting to hear? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly a top, if not the top topic here. I mean, dealers, um, they wanna know more about what's coming their way, what they need to do to sell EVs, what kind of assistance they're going to get from their automakers to do so, um, how are their automakers going to distribute EVs and what's going to change about the relationship with that. That's obviously a big topic uh, yeah. after you know some of the news that we've seen lately. One in particular being, of course, Ford Motor Company, a company you used to cover, I used right? to cover, we used to cover them together at NADA for different organizations. But um, of course, uh, Ford Motor Company under CEO Jim Farley last week decided to split internally, split their EV business and their gas burning vehicle business. And now they want to take that to the retail level to actually have dealers uh, have a different model for selling EVs than for selling traditional gas burning you know, F-150s and Explorers. What, are you hearing anything yet, uh, early returns on how folks, what folks are thinking about that? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of questions for Ford and for dealers of other brands. They are going to ask similar questions of their brands. Um, I mean, the, the key thing they want to know is how does the model change? How does the profit, profitability of the model change? How do the margins change? Um, you know, what, how does the control change? That's, that's a huge one. You know, like, where is my place? in this new enterprise. Yeah, when I first heard that uh, Jim Farley wanted Ford to set the prices and dealers to just sell them and get some sort of payment for doing the transactions, I thought, well, that's a non-starter. Dealers just don't accept that. But those that I've talked to say, well, let's see the details. Let's see what's actually gonna be in the deal. So 
they're going to spend a few months, I guess they've said they're going to spend a few months trying to work out the details, do a lot of listening, and uh, it, I'm sure they'll be, Ford executives will be doing a lot of listening right here at NADA. I'm sure they will. <laughs> and, you know, from the dealer's perspective, it, it's a fine line they have to walk because they do not want to be seen as too resistant of selling EVs and of this shift that is going on. In fact, it's a it's a big um, agenda point for NADA to send the message that dealers embrace EVs, they're ready to sell them, and um, they they can sell them as well or, or better than these direct sale model sales models that um, you know the upstarts like Tesla and Rivian are going with. Yeah, no, it's such a great point, Amy. You know, the NADA really is getting behind EVs. They've got a special display section. I can't wait to find it. Uh, but <laughs> here in one of these giant halls, uh, really trying to give prominence to EVs, to vendors and other experts who can really help dealers navigate this change in the industry. You know, it's only two, three, 4% in January of U.S. sales, but a lot of brands, a lot of automakers are expecting it to be 40, 50% by the end of the decade. That's going to be a, a big change. Yeah, a huge change. We'll be back for more of my conversation with Automotive News retail editor Amy Wilson after this. As online experiences have continued to evolve, it's clear dealers need an approach that will keep them in the business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car whether it's sales and F&I, and they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big picture, holistic approach, visit rayray.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot -E com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Now let's return to my conversation with Amy Wilson, the retail editor of Automotive News. We're in Las Vegas in advance of the NADA show, the usually annual convention of the National Automobile Dealers Association. So one of the other topics, of course, that dealers are always uh, uh, learning about another technological transformation uh, that they're working through is digital retail, which some of it relates to that EV mm -hmm. process. But other than that, what are kind of some of the things people are, are talking about? Well, I think dealers um, on the digital retailing front, um, they want some um, certainties around what does my platform need to be? and what is my manufacturer going to ask of me. Um, a lot of manufacturers in the last year or two have you know, really, um, I think, triggered by the pandemic. They've, they've come out with their own digital retailing programs. Um, and a lot of, a lot of big, bigger dealership groups already had platforms that they'd rolled out. So you have some maybe conflicting interests there. Um, 
a big dealership group that represents a lot of brands is not really going to want to maintain 10 or 12 digital retailing platforms. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's going to be conversations with um, the manufacturers on that front, but, um, you know, they also, I think a lot of smaller and medium-sized dealers are just out there still looking for help and like, what do we need to do to have a um, digital retailing um, infrastructure that allows a customer to really do all the steps of the deal from the beginning to the end and get their car delivered and you know sign as much as they can on, online um, and just have it be smooth and, and seamless and hey guess what if this customer halfway through the process decides I really want to go into the store drive the car see it in person they want to have a, pl a platform that remembers all the work that the customer has put into their shopping um, endeavor so far when they show up at the store and not have to start over again. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Such a frustrating experience. Yes. But it's been also such an interesting uh, journey to digital retail, right? Two years ago, hardly anyone was doing it. There was talk about it, but not a lot of action. Now, uh, then when the pandemic hit and a lot of stores couldn't have uh, couldn't have uh, customers hardly. <laughs> um, you know, they really needed it. They went rushing into it. Now inventory is so light. It's like, hey, I've got a few cars. You can come down and get them. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's sort of some attitude. But the consumer's attitude really seems to have shifted, and they are expecting an, an omni-channel and if not a full digital. Uh, opportunity every time they shop, just yeah. like they do for everything else. Yeah, it will become the expectation. You know, can I can I shop for this the way I shop for um, you know for for um, books on Amazon or, or whatever it might be? I don't think anyone's expecting it to be that easy. They know <laughs> it's it's a much more complicated process, but they want to be able to do as much of it and all of it in some cases online. And um, yeah, the difference. You know, you make a good point. Uh, referring back to two years ago, there was certainly a lot of buzz and interest in this topic two years ago. Um, on the show floor two years ago, there were a lot of vendors out there, um, you know, talking about their products and, and dealers were implementing certain aspects of digital retailing and some of the bigger groups um, were putting in full platforms. But with the pandemic, everything changed. It was, it's for real now. You need to have this just to, just to, to be in business. And yeah. so, and there's still a lot of smaller and medium sized um, dealership groups that, that still need some help um, figuring out what to do and how to put that together. Yeah, if they're in luxury, they really need to figure it out because as we reported just this week, Tesla is now the leader in the luxury market in the U.S. and they do it all online. Of course, they like to have their galleries and they can help people buy a car there, but it's still uh, people like having that online mm -hmm. experience. Maybe as it gets more mainstream, more people will want to buy an EV in person, but, uh, or, you know, and luxury is a, a high touch thing, but time is such a luxury. And if you can do Absolutely. your ordering, do your shopping, late at night or in the times that are convenient for you and just have it delivered, that's, that can be a really uh, a valuable thing for people. Absolutely, yeah. We touched a little on the, the lack of inventory. Is that something that dealers are gonna learn anything about how they can deal with that here? Well, I'm sure, you know, you know, it's probably a twofold kind of approach there. They wanna know from their manufacturers at the make meetings, you know, what, what does the outlook look like, you know, particularly with um, new models that are being launched, um, you know, just, you know, 
what can we expect in terms of um, allocation and when does it come and are we to a point where we can expect a steady flow again? Um, I mean, but dealers are selling deep into their order pipeline already. So even if there's a steady flow of production, it's still going to take a while for, um, you know, for inventory, you know, the supplies on the lots the cars that are not spoken for, it's going to take quite a while for that to get back into equilibrium. And, and maybe it doesn't. And I mean, from the dealer's perspective, um, and, you know, probably the manufacturers a bit as well, um, you know, getting back to where it was isn't necessarily what they are going to desire because dealers are making enormous profits with these um, with these supply shortages. You know, there's a pricing power that they've never had before. Yeah, scarcity uh, can be the retailer's friend yeah. for sure. I think also, I'm, I'm wondering also if they're going to be on the hunt when they're not in the make meetings, on the hunt for tools to help them acquire more used vehicles, used inventory, because yeah. that's something, that is the one part of the business they can they can sort of control. Yeah, they've in, and um, franchise dealerships have turned to that in a big way with this inventory shortage. Um, you know, to take the place of the volume of new cars that, you know, that are coming through the door. And so they've, um, they've gone to great lengths to source used cars and used cars, used car values, of course, have shot up. They're paying more, um, you know, but they're, you know, continuing, continually looking for new methods of sourcing vehicles and using technology to do so. And there's just been a flood of uh, of investment from the retail tech vendors out there, um, you know, as well as some of the you know the traditional vendors, auction companies, and the like, to to um, you know come up with new ways that uh, dealers can source used vehicle inventory through you know through software. Before we go, I want to make sure we talk a little about hiring and retention. Mm -hmm. It's been a persistent problem for the industry, but such a crucial one now when. It's hard to find employees for jobs in, in any business. Yeah, I mean, when you have Target paying base pay of $24 an hour in some <laughs> markets, dealers need to step it up on their pay, and, and they are. And, you know, it's putting cost pressure on the business. They do share that. I mean, it's happening at a time when they're enjoying enormous profits. So, mm -hmm. you know, that you know that's, that's in their favor. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, really to... Um, you know, to be competitive, um, they're having to increase pay. Um, they're playing around with pay plans and how they're structured. Um, and, you know, retention is just, it's always been the Achilles heel of dealers. Um, they've just, they just don't do a good job of retention. You know, the turnover at dealerships is, is uh, you know, is, is pretty dismal. And, um, you know, this, this kind of environment out here um, more broadly with hiring and unemployment is, is not going to be a help to that. So it'll be interesting, you know, to see um, how they're talking and the ideas they're sharing with each other on how to solve some of those problems. Yeah. You know, one of the topics we hear about sometimes is, is diversity, mm -hmm. um, diversity, equity, and inclusion broadly, but especially within dealerships is sort of having a more diverse staff. Um, we've written some about that at Automotive yeah. News and some of the, the challenges, but also some of the opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. If, if uh, you can't find enough people, maybe you need to look in some other places or find some people who weren't uh, the types of people you've traditionally hired. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are dealers out there who, um, you know, they, there's been this recognition that they need to have a staff that reflects the community it reflect it reflects the shoppers that are coming in. Um, you know, some some dealers I've talked to they've shared that 
this is something I need help with. You know, I need I need some advice on how to go about this. Um, and I think there's you know there's been um, you know some more um, hiring consultants, employment consultants out there talking to dealers about this topic and dealers, you know, asking, seeking it out. And um, you know, so we're seeing. Um, I don't know how much progress we're seeing on the numbers. It'll be interesting when we see NADA's dealership workforce study come out, and you know, to see if there's been, you know, any change in those numbers. I mean, that won't happen until the fall when that comes out. But um, you know, I think it, there's this recognition, and some some dealers are um, just being more mindful and intentional about trying to hire in a way that reflects their community. Usually that's that's the part that's effective. It's not necessarily trying to be diverse for the sake of being diverse, but um, although some business school, some studies will say there's value in that, yeah. but especially if you have a sales force that reflects your community, people feel more comfortable, more willing to make those those big purchases mm -hmm. and, uh, in a smooth way. Sure, yeah. Is there anything else that we should talk about uh, before we wrap it up? I mean, I think it'll, it's just going to be, you know, a fun, busy, jam-packed next <laughs> four days. And uh, I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll uh, find new stories and um, there'll be all kinds of things we, we didn't think we were going to be talking about that we'll end up talking about. And that's, that's the fun of NADA. Absolutely. Absolutely. When thousands of uh, uh, newsmakers get together, sometimes news happens. It does. <laughs> okay. I'm Jamie Butters. This is Amy Wilson from NADA uh, 2022 in Las Vegas. You can get all the news on the show and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to Jack Hallauer and the rest of the ANTV team, as well as web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your workday routine. Now let's all get back to work.